everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Seattle Mariners do it yet again. They have the Astros number. They don't have anyone else's number. They don't even have a number to the hotline. But they have the Astros number. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We got a great show lined up for you on this Slightly foggy Thursday morning on June the 9th. Ronnie Rance, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation Director, will be joining us just a few weeks away from induction ceremony where some of the sport's greatest legends will find themselves enshrined up in Natchitoches for the Hall of Fame. That includes Kyle Williams and the late, great Tony Robichaux. We'll talk about that with Ronnie Rance at 8.30 today. At 8 o'clock, Les East will give us the latest updates on the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans, and we'll get his thoughts on the NBA Finals as well. And at 7.30, our good friend Chad Schneck-Snyder from the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast will join us. He's helped us preview all the Triple Crown races, and he'll do so once again as the Preakness will be this weekend. Those are our three guests. 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.30. So we got plenty of time to take your phone calls. We want to hear from you. Game hotline is open as always. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We're going to get to the Women's College World Series where Oklahoma said... We're here to crush your face. And we're going to do so in an absolute brutal manner. We'll get to that. We'll get to the NBA Finals Game 3. Steph Curry injures his foot late in the ballgame. How much of a role is that going to play in this series? We'll break that down for you as well. And of course, we'll get to a big topic, LIV. Oh, man, they keep passing out $100 million in guaranteed money to have golfers leave the PGA Tour. It's just not guys past their prime. Now we're talking about some of the faces of golf that are leaving the PGA Tour to play for the new golf league backed by Saudi Arabia. We'll tackle that as well. But we got to lead off today's show talking about the Houston Astros. Mariners, man, they just, you know, look, they just play up. I just, there's no other way of kind of looking at this, that this matchup for the Mariners versus the Astros 
the team is just built a certain way that they just match up well. Sometimes that just happens. Astros are one of the best teams in the American League, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. Seattle is not. Yet, Mariners won another series, have taken another series away from the Houston Astros. Sometimes it comes down to matchups. Plus, the pitching rotation, the depth for the Strohs, starting to have some chinks in the armor, so to speak. And Jose Arquiti, for example, has had another another bad outing. And credit Seattle for taking advantage. But another bad outing for him. And you start to worry a little bit. Is he going to be maybe the odd man out? His fastball last night was only 89 miles per hour. So the velocity that you're looking for is not quite there from a baseball perspective. And he's just not pitched well. Go all the way back to his first start of the season. When Jose looked pretty good, right? We're like, hey, we know Framer Valdez is the number two behind Justin Verlander for this rotation. But you got Garcia and you got Arquiti. And you got all these other guys battling it out to be the number three, the number four. And Jose looked like he was one of those guys early on. His first start against the Angels. This season, he held the Angels' vaunted lineup to one earned run on four hits in five innings. Sensational, really, really great start for Jose in that first game against the Angels, right? Since that time, He's pitched 50.1 innings. He's given up 72 hits, 30 earned runs, only struck out 41, and has walked 12 batters. He's given up 10 home runs. His ERA is now in in 5.36. So now it's becoming a trend. At first, you're like, okay, he's had a couple of rough outings. And then he bounced back. Remember, he had a couple of okay outings. They weren't as good as he was against the Angels. But he bounced back, and you're like, hey, it's a long season. Jose's going to figure it out. But maybe not. And maybe that pitching rotation, that depth, maybe Jose or Keedy's the guy that's the odd man out. Because we talked about it. They got the best AAA pitcher waiting in the wings. They don't have a roster spot for him. He's just in AAA dominating hitters. So you got Verlander. You got Framer. You got Garcia. You're going to get Odorizzi and Lance McCullers Jr. back. you're probably going to have to move a guy around anyway just to get those guys back into the rotation whenever they come back healthy. Is Urquidy, the way that he's been pitching his last five outings or so, 
is he the odd man out now? It's a legitimate question because he's not pitched well. And more importantly, the fastball is not there. Look, you got to be able to throw a fastball that's more than 89 miles per hour. So he doesn't have the velocity that you'd want from him. And it showed up in last night's 6-3 loss. Once again, credit Seattle for taking advantage. And here's the frustrating thing if you're an Astros fan or just the Astros. Alvarez singles to deep center, scoring Alex Bregman. That gives them a early one nothing lead. So you give your pitcher who's been struggling, hey, guy, we got you. Boom, there's a run. Seattle ties the game in the third. In the top of the third. The Astros come back yet again. Not only tie the game in the bottom of the third, Alvarez doubles the deep left, scores Bregman again. Bregs is getting on base. That's a good sign. Tucker then singles to score Alvarez. So now the lineup has given Arkady the lead yet again for a second time. Now they're up three to one. And then comes the home runs by the Mariners. Raleigh hits one to right center for a two-run blast. They're in the fourth. France homers to left in the fourth as well. And that's all she wrote. Urquidy only lasts four and a third last night. Gives up four runs on seven hits, only strikes out three. The velocity was not there. And now you have a question mark with him. We're to the point of the season now where you look at it and you go, okay, because Urquidy drops to five and three. Once again, you got Verlander, you got Framer Valdez. That's your one-two combination. Garcia's been up and down a little bit. But what I said about a month ago that I felt like they had, or even three weeks ago, they had probably the strongest pitching staff or one of the strongest pitching staffs in Major League Baseball. Now you're starting to see a little bit of a chink in the armor. And top on that list is Urquidy. I thought he would pitch his way out of it. But last night, I just go, I don't know. I don't know if he can pitch his way out of it. Once again, Orderizzi's going to come back. Lance McCullers Jr. is going to come back. They got the best AAA pitcher out there just waiting in the wings. They don't have a roster spot for him. Does Dusty Baker and the Astros make a move where they try to fix Urquidy by limiting his performances or sending him down or figuring out what's wrong? Because the pitch, the ball placement is off. He doesn't seem to have his confidence. And the fastball velocity is not there. That's a concern. That's a concern. Now, are the Strohs good enough to bounce back? Absolutely. Are the Strohs good enough to keep it rolling because of the depth of pitching that they have? They sure do. But there's a little bit of a concern. It's not the sky is falling. You just, If you're an Astros fan this morning, you got to be a little bit concerned A little bit concerned about Jose and can they fix him? Can he 
get back on track, so to speak, because he's been treading water of late, and last night was another poor performance by him. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Mike to the show. Mike, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, RP3. How you doing today? I'm doing great, bud. What's on your mind? So uh, it's actually a, a two-part question on two different sports, if you don't mind, and I just want to get your take, and I'll hang up and listen. So uh, the first one is, now that we're in the Supers, what's, a, what's one of these college baseball teams you'd consider to be your favorite and who would be your dark horse? to get to Omaha. And then the second question after last night with the NBA Finals, do you think that Boston takes control of this series or do you think it goes to seven and we just go back and forth? Love y'all show. Have a great day. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. I'll start with Boston first. Boston, Golden State. The injury to Steph Curry is going to be key. It's a foot injury. And look, Boston, for whatever reason, matches up pretty well with Golden State as it is. And they're able to absorb the barrage of three-pointers that Golden State can throw out there and be able to overcome it. That was before the foot injury. So I liked Golden State in six. Boy, it sure does feel like we could see Boston win this in six or seven now. And that's just after the first three games. Steph's injury is a concern. But for whatever reason, Boston is just a a matchup that Golden State is struggling with. And once again, this is not the dominant Golden State teams that we remember from like five, six years ago. There's not. They're flawed. We've seen this in the playoffs already, especially that series against Memphis. I thought Golden State's experience would play a bigger role, and it really hasn't. It really hasn't. It's not played as big as a role as I thought it would. And Boston sure does seem to have the upper hand. I'll wait to see what happens in game four. I know that's not really answering the question, Mike. But this series has been back and forth. If Golden State can bounce back and win game four, then I could see Golden State winning in seven. But game four is going to be, you know, significant. And monitoring the lat- in the next couple days how severe Steph Curry's foot injury really is. As for the NCAA regionals, you know what? I'm going to answer that question. We're going to deep do a deep dive in on the NCAA regionals coming up next after this timeout. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Oh, it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June the 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes like Astro tickets and more, plus appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities including Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June the 22nd, from 5 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. Let off today's show talking about Houston Astros dropping the rubber match against the Seattle Mariners. Concerns starting to mount a little bit about Jose Arquiti. What's wrong with the Astros starter starting pitcher? Strohs gave him not one but two different leads in this ball game. He blew them both. As then the wheels fell off and he gave up some home runs there in the fourth inning, got pulled there in the fifth. And ERA is north of five. And he has not been consistent in his last five to six outings. And the fastball last night couldn't clock over a 90. That's a concern. Something's wrong with when you start seeing a pitcher's fastball dip below 90, that usually tells me there's something physically wrong. But they got to figure out how to fix Jose Arquiti. They got pitchers. They got a couple guys that will be coming back this season, Orderizzi and McCullers. Plus, you got the best pitcher in AAA. Just waiting to come up to the big leagues. So, Astros have options. They just got to figure out how to fix Jose. NCAA Super Regionals are about to start here for college baseball. And it's an interesting field for sure. Mike called and said, hey, who do you like? Here's some surprises. Who are some of your favorites? When you look at the field of the Supers, we'll just quickly go through it. You know, your odds-on betting favorite, of course, is going to be Tennessee. They're your number one seed. I will say this, though. Once again, remind everyone, the last time the number one overall seed for NCAA baseball won the national championship was 1999. That's when the Miami Hurricanes accomplished the feat. There's not been a team since that's been able to do it. Just saying. Do I think Tennessee's good enough to get to Omaha? Yes, I think they're good enough to get past Notre Dame. I sure do. But that's going to be a tougher-than-expected Super Regional. If I had to give you one to kind of look at and go, hey, that's a Super that's going to be a little bit more difficult than you think it's going to be, that's going to be Tennessee-Notre Dame. I like Stanford to be able to take care of UConn. UConn, great story. They come out and won the College Park Regional, remember? That was hosted by Maryland. They win that, and they they advance to the Supers. I like Stanford. Stanford was tested during their regional by Texas State. I think they push through and get to Omaha. Upset alert would be North Carolina, Arkansas. I just like how the Razorbacks played in the Stillwater Regional. They showed a lot of guts, a lot of grit. They took down Oklahoma State on Sunday, or I'm sorry, on Monday in the championship game. That's tough to do, and 
Arkansas has something to prove because remember last year they were the number one overall team in the country and they didn't make it to Omaha because they got upset. That's still in their crawl a little bit. They're playing really good baseball. Not to knock North Carolina, but that'd be one of the, the upsets I would look at and go, okay, who's a national seed that's hosting a super regional that could find themselves not packing their bags for Omaha? North Carolina's on that list because of Arkansas. Another team on that list is Southern Miss. It's not to knock the Golden Eagles. They Look, they played tough. They took down LSU twice. They're hosting the Super Regional, their first time ever hosting a Super Regional. Love that. Ole Miss is really, really hot right now. And they figured something out, the Rebels did, late in the season. Remember, this is a team that was going to fire its coach. Instead, they earn a spot in a regional. They win the Corals-Gables regional. Took out Miami, took out Arizona to get to the Supers. It's an all-Mississippi Super Regional. Of all the Super Regionals this weekend, the one I'm paying the most attention to is Ole Miss at Southern Miss. That's going to be phenomenal Super Regional. But that'd be another one of those national seeds that I would look at and go, "Uh uh-uh. The other one is Vitek. They're the number four national seed, and they deserve it. And they won their Blacksburg Regional. They had to face the likes of Wright State, Columbia, and Gonzaga. They're taking on an Oklahoma team that no one wanted to face. And this is an Oklahoma team that already knocked off the national seed Florida in the Gainesville Regional and punched their ticket to get to the Supers. They went on a little bit of a run late in the season. I know Gaines, I know Gator fans that were not happy to see Oklahoma in their regional, and rightfully so, that was proven to be correct because the Sooners went down to Gainesville and won it. Oklahoma's going to have no issue going up to Blacksburg. So those are the three super regional matchups that I look at that the, the top seed, the home seed, could be in trouble. Vatek taking on Oklahoma, Southern Miss taking on Ole Miss, and North Carolina taking on Arkansas. I like Stanford to beat UConn. I like Tennessee to be tested by Notre Dame, but to advance. And then the other two, I like Oregon State to beat Auburn as well. I was surprised how well Auburn played in its regional. And I was surprised that Oregon State was tested in theirs. But, man, Oregon State's got all the experience here, right? I like them to advance. But then there's the two coin flip games, which may be the two best regionals competition-wise of the weekend. East Carolina, Texas. The Pirates have never been to the College World Series. They have the most regional appearances of any program not to make it to Omaha. They were tested. Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers gave them everything they could handle. They're taking on a Texas team that kind of easily walked through their regional in Austin. Texas at East Carolina. It's a 9-8 matchup. Could be really, really good. Can East Carolina, can ECU finally get the monkey off their back and get to Omaha, or will they suffer another super regional heartbreak? 
And then the other one is number 12, Louisville, at number 5, Texas A&M. Texas A&M proved their worth in their own regional. Coaching makes all the difference in the world. The former TCU coach is now their head coach. They got pushed a little bit, not really all that much. They beat their old rival, TCU. They beat the Raging Cajuns. A&M advances. They're hosting a Super Regional against a Louisville team that some people thought was going to be an upset watch. Louisville was pushed. They had to play on Monday against Michigan, the Big Ten Tournament champion. But I still think that's a coin flip series. So plenty of great NCAA regional action this weekend. Yes, there's no Louisiana teams in the field, but if you love college baseball, there's plenty to watch and plenty to look at this coming weekend. Keeping it on the diamond in college, Women's College World Series, the championship finals began last night. Texas, Oklahoma, old rivals. Oklahoma, the dynasty, right? They are the bar for college softball in the last 10 years. They set the bar. But they had dropped some games. They hadn't looked as dominant as they had in years past. And in last night's game one, the Longhorns, Jump out to the early lead. one nothing in the first. You're like, uh-oh, here we go. This is going to be good. Boomer Sooner, obviously they play the Women's College World Series there in Oklahoma City. Well, Texas wouldn't score another run. In fact, Texas would only get two more hits. Texas had more errors than they did hits in this ballgame. Four errors, three hits. And Oklahoma decided to open up a can of you-know-what. Six home runs in this game for Boomer Sooner. 16 runs on 16 hits. They scored five in the first, one in the second, four more in the third, two in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth. By the way, no mercy rule in championship round at the College World Series for the women. So Texas just had to keep taking the whooping. Like there, there's no calling off the dogs. That's not allowed, by the way. Six home runs in a women's college World Series game. That's absolutely ridiculous. Two of the homers come in the first. Another homer in the third, two more in the third, actually. One in the fifth, and then two two more in the fifth. How do you bounce back from a 16-1 shellacking from a team that, by the way, I said has not been as dominant as we've seen in years past, and that's true when you watch them play, they're not nearly as dominant as they have been. They've had some moments where you go, "Uh uh-oh. But here's the thing. Even when Boomer Sooner this season hasn't been as dominant as it's been in years past, would you like to know what their record is? It's 58-3. and 
even when Boomer Sooner is not as dominant as they've been, and there's games where they've looked vulnerable, they're still so much better than everyone else in the sport that it does not matter. It just does not matter. Fifty-eight and three. They have looked vulnerable this year. They've looked at times where you're like, this is maybe this is not going to be a team that can win the College World Series. And yet here we are, championship round. Boomer Sooner picks up its 58th win of the season and crushing Texas. 16 to 1. Six home runs. 16 runs. What? Boomer Sooner. The dynasty continues. We got to take a timeout. We'll keep those phone calls coming if you'd like. Hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'll talk a little NBA Finals Game 3 recap coming up next. We'll keep taking those phone calls as well. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and the rest of the Astros are looking to get back to the World Series. You can listen at every pitch, hit, and thrilling victory as Robert Ford and Steve Sparks will be on the call. Tune in all season long for Astros baseball right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Baseball, 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 and softball. Astros fall to the Seattle Mariners on the rubber match. Jose Arquiti did not pitch well, only lasted four and a third. Gave up a couple home runs. Velocity on that fastball dipped below 90. Not great. He has not pitched well last five or so outings. He hasn't pitched terrible in all those outings. He's kind of been just treading water. And last night, you just go, eh. This has gone down longer than you want it to. It looks like he can't pitch himself out of this. And the velocity on the fastball is a little concerning. For a guy that young and that early in the season, it shouldn't be dipping below 90 like that way. That tells me maybe something physically is off with Jose. Astros will have tonight off. They'll gear up for a three-game set against the Miami Marlins at home at Minute Maid Ballpark for this weekend. Of course, you can listen to 
Astros right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros baseball. We also touched on NCAA regionals. Super regionals, rather, will be this weekend. I like Tennessee to move on. I think they'll be tested. I'm intrigued by the ECU-Texas. That's an 8-9 national seed matchup in the Supers. Can the Pirates finally bust through and get to a College World Series for the first time ever? They have the most regional appearances of any team not to make it to Omaha. Texas A&M-Louisville, I think is a bit of a coin flip as well. I would not be surprised whatsoever you see Louisville win that Super Regional. I like Oregon State to beat Auburn. Upset alert for me, North Carolina versus Arkansas. I like what I've seen out of Arkansas. They bounced back in a big way after looking bad at the SEC tournament, getting eliminated early. They win the Gainesville Regional. Sorry, no. They won their regional to move on. The other team that I feel needs to be on upset alert, that's Va Tech. They're the four national seed. They're welcoming in Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner went down to Gainesville and beat Florida and won that regional to move on to the Super. So there's a couple of teams on upset alert for me. North Carolina being one, taking on Arkansas. Virginia Tech taking on Oklahoma is another. And that Southern Miss, Ole Miss Super Regional, that's going to be salty. That's going to be some good baseball right there. And Ole Miss is one of those teams where you look at them and you go, yeah, they looked awful. I mean, they looked dreadful. Like firing their coach kind of bad. And they flipped a switch. And it all came together. And now here they are, two wins away from Omaha. Southern Miss hosting a Super Regional for the first time in program history. You know all the Mississippi State fans are going to be cheering on Southern Miss. That is going to be a heck of a Super Regional over in Hattiesburg. And then we touched on Oklahoma softball team. You know, there were times this season where you looked at them and you go, man, they're vulnerable. Yet they still end up winning 50-plus games. And here they are in the championship series taking on Texas, their rival. Texas goes up early, one nothing, And then the Longhorns commit more errors than they do hits. And Boomer Sooner hits six home runs and scores 16 runs. Once again, no mercy rule in the Women's College World Series championship round, by the way. But let's talk a little NBA Finals. I don't know what you're going to do if you're Golden State here. Once again, another game decided by double-digit, a double-digit margin of victory. Can we get an exciting game? Is that so much to ask? Like, just as, look, I never had an NBA team. Back in the day, did I have a Chicago Bulls starter jacket? Yes. Did I really want the Charlotte Hornets starter jacket? Yes. If you're old enough to remember what that means and what that meant to have the Hornets bomber jacket back in the day, you know what I'm saying. But I never had an NBA team, never rooted for a team. I just loved watching the game. I'm all about give me 
compelling drama. Give me compelling storylines. Give me exciting finishes. And these NBA playoffs have been a bit of a dud. Last night, Boston wins 116-100. to Steph Curry gets injured late. He's got a foot issue. Golden State gets good production from Wiggins. Gives him 18 points. Steph goes off for 31. Clay goes off for 25. Splash Brothers do their job. You know who doesn't do his job? Draymond Green. He talks a lot of mess, always has. And in the past, the past decade, he's always been able to back it up. But he's missed a step, right? Anyone that watches Golden State particularly play this year notices that Draymond's missed, is, is, is starting to slow down. And how effective he was as a trash talker, as a motivator, and as a defensive player just isn't there anymore. He's lost a step, and it shows, and he doesn't help his team at all. He scores two points last night, gets four rebounds, and commits two turnovers. Woof. If you're Golden State, you got to get one of your starters. He has to contribute more than that. I'm sorry. Draymond's out there playing 35 minutes and not doing anything. Nothing. Boston, Tatum scores 26. He still hasn't had a great game. Tatum went 9 of 23 from the field. 9 of 23. Still got 26 points. But man, it was not pretty. Marcus Smart, 24 points. Jalen Brown, who I've said all along, is the X factor in this series. They focus so much on Tatum. I get it. You know what Jalen Brown did last night? 9 of 16, far more efficient than Tatum. 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 27 points. We I asked earlier in the week, if you had to pick someone to win the finals MVP, not named Steph Curry, who would it be? I'm going to throw a name out there. It's going to be Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has been the best player for Boston, you could argue, the entire playoffs. He's been the best player in so far through three games in this NBA Finals. He's their most consistent player. He's their best overall player so far. Tatum has just been struggling with the shot. Now, Tatum had nine assists. I'll give it to him. But Brown is what kind of stirs the drink. They also got 10 points off the bench for Williams. So now Boston leads this series 2-1. to one. Steph has the foot injury. How much does this impact the remaining games in this best-of-seven series? That leads us to our poll question of the day. How much will Steph Curry's foot injury impact the NBA Finals? Right now, 33% of you say, really not that much. You still like Warriors to win in six. But 27% say Celtics now in six. 27% now say Celtics in seven. 13% say Warriors in seven. Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, says on Twitter, a little but not too much. If you watch Golden State in these particular playoffs, they know exactly what they're up against. I think Boston has won their two games. So Darren believes Golden State's going to 
close it out now. They're going to win three straight. Not impossible. Not impossible. Ton on Twitter, though, says, I know the Warriors have other players, but Steph is the engine for that team. He now says Celtics in seven. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. How does this NBA Finals now get decided? How does Steph Curry's injury impact the outcome? We want to hear from you with our poll question of the day. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one coming up next. Phone lines are open. Game hotline, love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Los Angeles Rams, they are your defending Super Bowl champions, and they are just printing money these days. After locking up Aaron Donald, the best player in the NFL, yeah, I said it, defensive tackle is the best player in the NFL over quarterbacks. Sorry to tell you. The Rams lock up Cooper Cup, who now beats out Tyreek Hill for the most guaranteed money ever given to an NFL wide receiver. By the way, that's been a record that's been broken numerous times. So, this year, by the way, Devontae Adams, 65.7 mil guaranteed when he left Green Bay to go to the Raiders. That happened in March. Stephon Diggs got $70 million in April. Tyreek Hill from Kansas City down to Miami, also in March, got $72.2 million. And now Cooper Cup gets $75 million. They signed a three-year, $80 million contract extension. The contract includes $75 million in guaranteed money. It's worth $110 million over the five years of the deal. Highest guaranteed money ever given to an NFL wide receiver. Cup led the league last year with 145 catches for 1,947 yards, 16 touchdowns. During the regular season, he also caught two touchdowns in the Super Bowl and was named MVP of the game. He's become the fourth player since the 1970 merger to lead the league in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Woo! Ridiculous. Rams just, hey man, locking up their guys, seeing if they can make another run at it. We'll see. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. 
Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company on this slightly foggy Thursday morning, June the 9th. Appreciate you making us part of your morning commute as you head off to work this morning. School is out, so obviously no one's commuting to school. But maybe you're going to camp. Then shout out to you and your family for going to camp. Just make sure you're safe and uh, out there on the roads. We've got a great show so far. Could be better. Could have more great phone calls. I was teased earlier when I thought one of our good friends, one of our longtime callers and fans of the show, Doug, was going to call, but yet it did not happen. It did not happen. Was I crushed? Yes. Is Hannah Five Names, the producer extraordinaire, slightly heartbroken? Yeah, you bet. But we'll push through. We'll push through, Doug. We'll push through. <laughs> Look, people got stuff to do in the mornings. We do appreciate you calling. Hotline is open, though. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You want to get through? Hey, you want to talk about NBA Finals? Boston goes up two games to one. Wins last night's game. Steph Curry gets injured late, suffers a foot injury. How much of a impact is that going to make in this NBA Finals now. How much of an impact is it going to make? Or do you think Golden State can still turn it around? Look, they're getting contributions from Klay Thompson, Steph Curry. They need more from Jordan Poole. He's had a struggle during these NBA Finals. But they got to get more out of Draymond Green. Draymond Green has been absolutely pubble. That means awful. That means terrible. He's run off at the mouth, and he hasn't backed it up at all. Not with his defense, not with his offensive play. He has not made a contribution, not one, in the first three games of this series. And Golden State finds itself down only two games to one. If you're going to talk all that mess, you got to at least help your team win a game, bud. Sorry. Sorry. Look, that's the rules. I don't make up these rules. I didn't write these rules. These are the rules. If you're going to run off at the mouth, on the court, off the court, on your podcast, and whatever else you do, then you better be able to back it up and actually help your team win games. Draymond has not done that. He looks like an old man, and the game looks like it's passed him by. So if Golden State's going to win this series against Boston, because the Celtics aren't scared. And here's the other thing. Jason Tatum is yet to play a great game. That could happen. Is Golden State going to be able to absorb that? It would help if one of their big three actually played like it. Boston now leads two games to one. Why have 17 days off in between game three and game four? I'm being sarcastic. What will happen there? Does this impact now how you feel about the series? That's our poll question of the day. Does it impact how you feel this series is going to go down? 
because it's a foot injury. Just saying, foot injuries are tricky. They're tricky to deal with. Now, Steph's, uh, you know, he's a gamer. He's probably going to push through. But how much will Steph's foot injury impact this NBA Finals? 39% of you say Celtics now in six. 23% say Warriors in six. 22% of you say Warriors in seven. So right now, 45% of you still like Golden State to win this series either in six or seven games. A little surprised by that. 16% of you say Celtics in seven. Steve has chimed in, always salty. The refs had Golden State in foul trouble in the first quarter, and Boston was allowed to manhandle Golden State all game. Foot would be on life support if he was a Golden State fan. This is the NBA. They control how many games and who is the winner. Hard to watch Zebra's rule. Hashtag awful. John Paul Cajun Daddy says Celtics, but I really don't like the NBA. And looking at the ratings for this series in two massive media markets, it does not look good for them. I've always said this, and John Paul brings up a great point. I don't think the big media markets really matter. I just don't. It's We live in a different time now where people are watching games differently. And the notion, like it would have been 20 years ago, well, you got to have one of your teams you know, playing for a championship being one of these big media markets, I don't think really holds any water anymore. I just, I just don't. I just don't believe it holds any water anymore. Derek on Twitter says, not much change for me because I had Celtics in six. There you go. Uh, look, I would not be surprised if you didn't see them win in six. Uh, look, Golden State still has Steph. Clay's starting to heat up. That's great. You're getting good contributions from Andrew Wiggins. Also great. You got to have Draymond Green do something. He doesn't have to score you 25 points. Can he at least get you double-digit figure points? Can he at least get you 10 points? Can he get you 10 and 10? If Draymond can go out there and actually contribute by giving you 10 and 10, then Golden State's going to win this series. But he hasn't proven that that's something that he can still do. He talks a lot of mess. He doesn't do anything. Over on Facebook, Robert Duplishan says, I had Celtic seven, but with this happening, it could be over in six. Where is old boy who said the dubs would sweep? Martin on Facebook says, Warriors still more experienced than the Celtics. Warriors win in seven. Experience only works, though, if it actually steps up. It only works. Only works. If Draymond Green actually plays like a multiple world champion and defensive player of the year. And he has yet to do that. Now, can Draymond turn it on? Sure. And I, I said this before. This is not the Golden State team from four or five years ago. It just isn't. They're different. They're more vulnerable. Remember when they struggled against Memphis and Memphis didn't have their best player, John Morant, for the rest of the series? And they still struggled to put away the Grizzlies? 
This is not going to be easy. It's not going to be a runaway thing. I just want some compelling games. Is that so much to ask? Can I get two compelling games in this NBA Finals? Or are all these going to be 12 to 15 point games? Because that's a snooze fest for me. I'm sorry. If it... If coming down the stretch, if the last few minutes of a game are not compelling, why am I watching? That could also be part of this as well. And the playoffs have been that way for the most part all postseason. Playoffs have been kind of duds, right? Even the series that have gone long, they have not been a bunch of compelling games. You don't have a Dame Lillard game winner on there. I need some drama, man. I need some drama. I don't think it's too much to ask, but I need some drama. Just saying. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Houston Astros, they lost last night. Jose Arquiti. Oh, man. If you're an Astros fan, you got to have some questions right now. Velocity on the fastballs dipped under 90. Not a great sign. He's had his, what, his fifth or sixth straight outing now where he has struggled. Now, some of those games, he's been bailed out because the Shros have been able to give him run production, and he's looked average. But he's looked more below average, and he's trending in the wrong direction. Gets pulled early there in the fifth inning, only lasts four and a third. Gives up some dingers, and the velocity on the fastball is not there. Astros lose. They drop two of three to Seattle. Once again, Seattle can't beat anybody else. But they can beat the Astros. They struggle to beat anybody else. When you're below 500, that means you're struggling to beat everyone else. But yet they play well against the Astros. And the Strohs are going to have to make a decision. It feels like about Urquidy sooner than later. Dusty's old school. He'll let his guy try to pitch out of it. But you're going to have Jake Odorizzi coming back. You're going to have Lance McCullers Jr. coming back. And the best minor league pitcher that's in AAA right now that's just sitting there waiting to come up to the big leagues that they don't have a spot for, he's right there. So the Astros are going to have options here to figure out what to do with Jose. Dusty's going to hold him accountable, but Dusty's also going to give him every opportunity to try to get his groove back, if you, so to speak. So we'll see. Astros have the night off. They'll get back to action Friday night as they welcome in the Miami Marlins for a three-game weekend series set. Of course, you can listen to all three games right here on the game. You're home for Houston Astros baseball. Also, Super Regional Weekend is almost upon us. Some intriguing matchups. I like some of the bigger teams to move on. Tennessee, I think they'll be tested by Notre Dame, but I think they'll win. Once again, no number one overall seed has won the national championship in baseball since 1999. Just a friendly reminder, that was the Miami Hurricanes. It's been more than 20 years ago. 
Intriguing matchups. Auburn at Oregon State could be a good one, even though I like the the Beavers to win that Super Regional and move on to Omaha. I think their experience is going to play a role in that. Oklahoma could upset Va Tech. I like that for the Sooners. That's a team that you don't want to face, Oklahoma. And uh, Va Tech will be at home for the Supers. That could be an interesting matchup. I really like Arkansas at North Carolina. That's another upset for me to kind of keep an eye on. Razorbacks flushed their poor performance at the SEC tournament by winning their regional, punching their ticket there from Stillwater. And now they're taking on North Carolina, who's the number 10 national seed. But Ole Miss, Southern Miss is going to be, oh, man, that's going to be the Super Regional Series of the weekend, I think. So much electricity between those two programs. Southern Miss hosting a Super for the first time in program history. Ole Miss, who turned their season around, looked like they were going to fire their coach. Instead, they make a run. Here they are in the Supers. They're two wins away from Omaha. It's an all-Mississippi Super Regional there. And the other one that I'm really excited about, Sorry, UConn-Stanford. Not really excited. The one I'm really excited about, ECU-Texas. The Pirates are one of the best programs in the country that has never made it to Omaha. They have the most regional appearances of any program not to make it to the College World Series. They're taking on a Texas team that's not a vintage Texas team, but they got out of their regional fairly easily. That's an 8-9 matchup of national seeds. So I'll be keeping an eye on what happens over there in Greenville. Could ECU finally get the dog pile and make their, ways to, uh, make their way to Omaha? And then the Women's College World Series Championship round began last night. Texas jumped out to an early 1-0 lead and then only managed three more hits. Actually, three total hits in the ballgame. They committed four errors. For those scoring at home, that's more errors than hits. That usually does not lend itself to a tasting victory. But the errors really didn't play all that big of a role because Oklahoma came out and decided to smash their faces. No mercy rule in the Women's College World Series championship round, by the way. And Oklahoma said, oh, really? How, how, how about we hit a Women's College World Series record six home runs and score 16 runs? 16-1 to one victory for Boomer Sooner as they look like they're about to win yet another national championship in softball there in Oklahoma City, the home of the Women's College World Series. So much going on. Super Regionals. Women's College World Series, NBA Finals, Major League Baseball. Whew, lots to get to. Coming up next, we're going to touch on golf. Lots of star power leaving the PGA Tour because a new league is offering guys guaranteed money of $100 million. Leave your sponsorships behind. Leave playing on the PGA Tour behind. Come play eight tournaments a year, and you can make a guaranteed $100 million. We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home 
for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We supply the sports. The Buffalo. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you're going to want to listen up. Look, you love to entertain, especially during football weekends in the fall, right? Cheering on your favorite team. Could be McNeese, could be the Raging Cajuns, could be the Tigers, could be the Saints. Does not matter. You love cheering on your team. You love having the fellas over, having the family over to do so in your man cave or maybe outside in your outdoor living area. But you want to take that space to another level. My friends over at Lafayette Marble and Granite can help you do that. They are the South's largest cultured marble factory, and they pride themselves on earning your business. They provide more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. They can also take your outdoor living spaces to another level and help your home become the envy of the neighborhood during game days this fall. Visit their website lmgelite.com today that's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products that they have to offer live inventory is updated every single wednesday go visit lmgelite.com or simply stop by their showroom located right there on i-49 north across from hub city ford in the jockey lot lafayette marble and granite they're looking to earn your business and trust me earn it they will let's talk golf shall we and what's happening in the world of professional golf pga tour has run the show for a very long time back in the day used to be the pga of america ran everything then the pga tour was actually created done so with arnold palmer and jack nicholas back in the day want to say that was 1968 they run the things. The tour runs everything. The tour runs not only itself, but it also runs the web.com tour, which is now the Corn Ferry Tour. That's where the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open, that's its affiliation. And the Lake Charles Championship. They have the Q School. They have everything. And for years, you've heard about other leagues trying to come in together. Well, the LIV Golf Invitational Series, despite bad publicity, despite bad publicity involving Phil Mickelson, has not stopped stockpiling stars. Lefty was the big one, but Lefty took so much backlash from what he had to say about the tour and about other things that he essentially went into hiding for months not to even come out to defend his title at the PGA Championship. But now it's just not Lefty playing in the Saudi Arabia-backed LIV. 
which will play its events in Europe and here in America. Bryson DeChambeau is the latest, the 2020 U.S. Open champion and one of the more polarizing figures on the PGA Tour. Is joining the LIV Golf Invitational Series, a source confirmed to ESPN on Wednesday. Patrick Reed from Baton Rouge, the another immensely polarizing figure on the PGA Tour. He is your 2018 Masters champion. He's also joining the LIV series, according to multiple reports. Both DeChambeau and Reed are expected to compete in LIV Golf's first United States-based event, which is scheduled at Pumpkin Ridge up in Portland, Oregon, June 30th to July 2nd. An LIV Golf spokesperson declined, declined to comment, but DeChambeau's agent, Brett Falkoff, said Bryson has always been an innovator. Having the opportunity to get in on the ground floor of something unique has always been intriguing to him. Professional golf, as we know, is changing and it's happening quickly. Reportedly, Bryson is going to be paid $100 million. Guaranteed. That's what the reports say. It's comparable to what Dustin Johnson, who announced late last week that he was joining the uh, leaving the PGA Tour to go join LIV, is going to be making as well. They have passed out a reported 400 to 450 to 500 million dollars in guaranteed money to these golfers to play in this golf league, this golf tour. Could be another big blow for the PGA Tour, which denied conflict uh, conflicting event releases to players who requested them to compete in LIV golf tournaments. So many of those golfers have simply left the PGA Tour. The events are being financed by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. That's a lot of the pushback here for a lot of these golfers by some in the media that how dare you go and play for the LIV. They're backed by Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, of course, has a slew of human rights violations. That gets into murky water, though, right? just for me personally because there's been tons of events that have been financed by countries that have terrible human rights violations russia china the list goes on and on so you get into murky water there with morality the additions of dechambeau and reed give liv golf at least nine former major champions there's only four majors in golf by the way four Interesting enough, little tidbit of information for those of you who may not know, the PGA Tour does not run nor do they control the major championships. That's important to state. Because the major champions, you get it once you win one of these majors, you get essentially sometimes in some cases, you get to play in the tournament no matter how bad you are for the next 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. So even though the PGA Tour may come out today, some expect today or tomorrow and say that those players that have left to go play in the LIV events have now been suspended for not months but years. There's speculation it could go all over the place. Here's the thing. Yes, they could do that. 
and Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed may not be able to play in PGA Tour events like the Memorial Tournament, like the John Deere Classic, like the Charles Schwab Challenge. That's that's all true. But you know what they can do? They'll still be able to play in the Masters, the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, and the Open Championship in Britain. Because those are not regulated by the PGA Tour. So, these golfers, in theory, as it stands right now, can have their cake and eat it too because they can go get paid $100 million to play in this new golf league backed by the Saudi Arabia Investment Fund and still come back and play in the major championships. That's a nightmare scenario for the PGA Tour because you lose your star power, you ban them, but yet they can still play in the biggest events that n- novice golf fans or fair weather golf fans or just you know minor golf fans pay attention to, which are the majors. Those are the ones that have the biggest ratings. Ha <laughs> yeah, ha! It's gonna get. It's gonna get ugly. It's gonna get. It's been ugly. It's gonna get worse. DeChambeau and Reed, who have won majors themselves give LIV Golf now at least nine former major champions. Six-time major champion Phil Mickelson, two-time major winners Dustin Johnson, Martin Kamer, and four others. Sergio Garcia won the 2017 Masters. Charles Schwartzel from South Africa won the 2011 Masters. Graham McDowell from Ireland, Northern Ireland, won the 2010 U.S. Open. And Louis Oosthuizen won the 2010 Open Championship. He's also from South Africa. Those are all competing in LIV's inaugural event, which starts Thursday at the Centurion Club outside of London. Also, a handful of other players, Johnson, Garcia, Schwartzel, and Na, Kevin Na, have resigned from the tour to avoid any punishment, essentially. They're being proactive there. Not to mention, not announced yet and speculated about is Ricky Fowler, who never won a major championship but did finish in the top five in all four majors one year, including three runner-ups. He's considered one of the best golfers not to win a major. Now, Ricky's game has been off for the last couple of years. Ricky Fowler is expected to join LIV as well. Things are about to get interesting. You're losing major champions like DJ, like Bryson DeChambeau. You still got Rory. You still got Jordan Spieth. You still got Justin Thomas. But Tiger Woods is a hobbled man who's not even playing in the U.S. Open, by the way, next week. And that's going to be the big test. Not this week with LIV's first event. What's going to happen at the U.S. Open with these guys that have left for LIV that come back to play in the in the U.S. Open? woo Man. Golf's going to get salty this summer. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to talk horse racing. That's right. The third leg of the Triple Crown. And we're not going to have a Triple Crown winner this year. But, man, it's still an exciting race. We're going to talk about it. Preview Saturday's event with our buddy Chad Schneck-Snyder from the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast is going to join us. That's coming up next right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team. I got one college team. I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for. That's who I support. Period. Call me old-fashioned. Vian. Call me old-fashioned. That's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Uh, next home, Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day this Saturday from 9 to 1 o'clock. Look, the charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit that gives to those with disability dogs. The event is going to be located at Bole Dog Park at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette. A food truck and a Kona Ice Snow Cone stand are going to be on site. Hello, that'll get you out there. Plus music, treats for you and for your pups, and prizes. All proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day this Saturday, June the 11th. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. How much does Steph Curry's injury impact the NBA Finals for you? Does it change how you think these finals are going to be determined? How they're going to conclude, rather? Right now, 43% of you say Celtics in six now. 24% 24% say Warriors in seven. 20% say Warriors in six. 13% say Celtics in seven. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Right now, it's time for us to head out to the hotline and welcome on our first guest for today's edition of RP3 and Company. It's our good friend from the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast, Mr. Chad Schneck-Snyder, joined us. Bud, good morning. How you been? Pretty good, Ray. Pretty good. How about yourself? Morning to you guys. Doing doing great. So how did you fare, Bud, at the uh, at the Preakness? How did you make out? Did, did, did you put a little money in your back pocket, my friend? I did. I did. Um, you know, the Preakness, I was I was back on. I thought it was a two-horse race for early voting at the center. You know, early voting from Chad Brown kind of waited him out. Didn't run into Derby, and Chad Brown did that. A couple of years ago where he had a good three-year-old and he ran one in the derby and he saved one for Preakness and it paid off for him again um, with early voting. Early voting is going to skip this Belmont and so is Epicenter. Um, those two, so yeah, it was, a good, it was a good Preakness, but uh, we do have two other horses from the Preakness that's going to try to Belmont on Saturday and it should be, a, should be an exciting race. Odds on favorite right now is We the People, correct? Does that still stands? Yeah, you know, a lot of people were surprised by that. We the people drew the rail. He was the winner of the Peter Pan Stakes, which is the prep race at Belmont for the Belmont Stakes, and it's produced a lot of um, a lot of Belmont Stakes winners come out of that race. Um, it's actually the same. Um, it's in between the Derby and Preakness. They run it the week in between over at Belmont. Um, he has a very tactical edge on this field. You know, if you just glance at the past performances, right away he jumps off the page. He's got a big buyer figure, uh, buyer speed figure of 103. It was a field track that day. He won over, so it means a little bit sloppy. Um, but he's got a really high speed figure. He did it on the front end. And when you look at it on paper, he looks like the lone speed in the race. I mean, it almost looks like it's too easy. Like he's just going to go out to the lead. And there's seven other closers in the race that are going to have to have him quit and come back to the field for them to have a chance. So on paper, he has a tactical advantage. He's fast. He's drew the rail, which is a perfect spot that I'm sure 
um, Rudolph Brissett, the trainer, and Jockey Flavian Pratt want to be in. So he could have this feel um, over a barrel if things work out the right way on, on, on the pay side of things. Okay, we the people is your 2-1 betting favorite, but there's also some other ones in the field, and let's talk about Rich Strike, who skipped, you know, decided to skip the second leg of the Triple Crown, skipping the Preakness, is running in the Belmont. A lot of time off, about a month. Do you like Rich Strike's chances here to win the third leg of the Triple Crown? You know, right after the right after the Derby, a lot of people were saying it was a fluke, and it was one of those things because he was – um, 80 to one that he didn't have no shot, and then he skips the, skips the Preakness, which isn't really good for the sport. And, you know, you want to have that horse running all the legs in a Triple Crown, but he's actually grown on me these last couple of weeks. We were watching his workouts and just the way he looked. He's full of energy. He got up to Belmont and he really kind of touted himself on the track. I mean, his coat looks great. He's training well. Everything looks like systems go for Rich Strike again. I just don't know. He's going to need a setup like he had in the Derby with a fast pace up front. And I just don't see that developing in this race. Not to say he can't run his race and outfinish the rest of the closers in the field. He looks good. I wouldn't leave him off your tickets if you're playing, you know, exactus and trifectas. He's definitely a horse you want to use. I'm not even so sure they got him third choice in the morning line. There's people saying that he could go off. People that I respect are saying that he could possibly take enough money to go off favorite. If that happens, I'd be I'd be a little surprised. But um, he looks good. You know, I expect him to run a big race on Saturday. And there's no, you know, I think he could hit the board for sure. Another one that sits there at seven to two odds is Mo Donegal, who we talked about for the Derby. Do you like uh, Todd Fletcher's uh, horse in this race? Yeah, you know Todd, Todd loves the Belmont. He's from up that way. All he's a bunch of owners, uh, Mike Rapoli from Rapoli Stable, and those guys—they're all up from New York. They they point for this race. Um, Todd's got two in the race. He's also got the filly who was second in the Oaks Nest um, running in there. Look, Mo Donegal—he needs a setup too. You know he's going to have Irad Ortiz on, but. He's raced at Belmont twice in his career. He has a win in the third, um, so you know he likes the track. It's his third race technically off the layoff. Um, he was a little bit compromised with his trip in the Derby because he was off slow, but he was kind of gaining. But, you know, when, when when push came to shove at the Derby, Rich Strike outfinished him. I mean, he really had no excuse in the lane. He was in front of Rich Strike, and Rich Strike just outran him. Um, it's a little bit of a home court advantage maybe for Mo Donegal, so he's got a shot, but he's another one that just needs that pace to come back to him and um, and see what happens. But Todd, Todd Fletcher certainly – knows how to win this race. We're talking with Chad Schneider of the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast. He joins us here in RP3 and Company as we're looking at the Belmont Stakes. Let's talk about another one of Todd's horses. You mentioned him. That's Nest, 8-1 to one odds, Got the has the three position. Um, that seems to be fairly favorable for me, in, in, in my humble opinion. Do you like Nest here to, to, to place? You know, I think I think Ness is probably going to be one I'm playing against. You know, she's a Philly taking on the boys. The advantage to that is she gets five pounds off. So all Correct. these horses are carrying 126 pounds. She only has to carry 121. She's got a win at Belmont, two starts. She started her career off there, um, you know, back in the fall when she was a two-year-old. I, I just think she's up against it. You know, I think, Todd, they want to chase these grade one races because there's not much for um, the Phillies going long for three-year-olds. She wants to keep – he wants to keep her against, you know, her own class with reels and not take on all the horses just yet. So I think this is a spot that he's a little bit aggressive on. You know, Rapoli Stable's part of this horse. They're from New York. Um, they want to run for big money. Todd did this with Rags to Riches back a while back. as the last Philly to win to Belmont was trained by Todd Fletcher. This horse isn't Rags to Riches. I mean, she's just not. Um, you know, Rags to Riches beat Curlin, who is an all-time, all-time great. I, I don't see any all-time greats in this race, so she does have that going for her. 
but I just think from a pace standpoint as well, and just facing the, this is going to be the toughest field she's going to face, even with the Oaks, um, you know, when she ran second, but she lost the secret Oaks, she was favored. Um, she's just one that I, I think I'm going to leave off, and I'm, I'm not going to use up top anywhere. What about Creative Minister? Yeah, Creative Minister is one. I think, um, I think you know, I'd probably have to use that one more than I use Mo Donegal on my tickets. Um, you know, this horse, this horse has a good, has decent early speed. He's going to be sitting second, and if they go slow up front, I mean, it just could be a merry-go-round race where we the people keeps going. Creative Minister follows him all the way around, and the, the closers fight it out for the bottom part of the of the trifecta. Um, Kenny McPeak's high in this horse. He's won this race before. McPeak has. This horse ran really good in the Preakness. I mean, he, he was he had a little bit of a weird trip, but um, he kept grinding. He ran third. Um, I was a little bit against him that day. He was coming off Lasix, and, and he's still off of Lasix here. But Kenny McPeak has this horse um, running well. He's one to be heard heard from later on in the year. And this is a good spot for him to hit the board, I believe. Creative Minister is definitely one I would use, um, especially if you're playing you know, your doubles and pick threes and stuff like that. All right, we got some long shots that we need to talk about, Chad. Skippy Long Stockings, 20-1 to 1 in this field. Golden Glider is 20-1 to 1 as well. And then Barber Road is 10-1. to 1. Of those three, because there's only eight horses on the field, of those right. three long shots, who do you like? Who do you think could make the most noise come Saturday? You know, I think it could be Barber Road. Um, you know, this horse getting jockey changed to Joel Rosario trainer john ortiz is taking the blinkers off this horse can run all day he likes to come running i don't think he's going to get tired so maybe some of, them, some of them do get tired on the front end and we just have a pace collapse or something just crazy happens um you know joel rosario is smart enough to have this horse running at the end and, and using his um his late kick maybe to get a piece out of those three as far as long shots go i think i'd um i think i'd have barbara road um as one of the better long shots Who's the best jockey in this field that's not named Sonny Leone, who we know was a top rich strike for the Kentucky Derby win? It's Flavian and Pratt, man. I mean, just Flavian and Pratt's just having a, a crazy year. I mean, he left California to come to the East Coast and try his try his luck. And I mean, if you're betting the Belmont on Saturday, there's a bunch of grade there's seven grade one races, there's some turf races. Check out this guy, Flavian Pratt Rod. He's from France. Um, he is just killing it. I mean, he's killing it out there. He's winning on everything he touches. He gives horses good rides. Um, you know, I read Ortiz and the Ortiz brothers have been kind of the kings of the mountain up out in, out in New York and all that. But they got a rival now because this kid Flavian Pratt, he's the real deal. All right, bud. Give me uh, who you think is going to win. Who's going to place? Who's going to show? Yeah, I'm, I'm on. I think it's I think it's a two horse race with we the people and creative minister. I really do. I just think from a tactical standpoint, pace wise. Um, Belmont being the track that it is, I think it's those two horses. Um, Rich Strike probably coming in, maybe second, third, something like that. But I think the two horses I'm a key on is we, uh, we the people, and Creative Minister. I mean, it's just it's, it's just uh, seems it seems easy this weekend. It seems a little too easy almost. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you got to get, so, but that makes you kind of give yourself pause, right? When you look at it, and you go, "Oh, well, this absolutely. looks easy." No, usually, when it looks when it looks this easy on paper, it looks like everything matches up. Sometimes chaos ensues, and look, it's horse racing. I mean, anything could happen. So that's why we love the sport and why we love to bet on it. And um, last leg of the Triple Crown, and it would be nice to have a triple going for a Triple Crown. If Rich Frank would have won the Preakness, we could have really had the, been on the news for that. But um, I think it's going to be a good race, great racing on Saturday. So hope everybody does, does well. Chad, before I let you go, uh, brother, you know, obviously Triple Crown wraps up, the final leg of it wraps up this weekend, but there's still great horse racing, especially here in the state to pay attention to. I know we got stakes races coming up in July. 
uh, right down the road in Evangeline Downs. What's going on coming up there at the fairgrounds? Um, fairgrounds, you know, we're off until October. Um, then I go open it back up until uh, October for training, and then we get back started at Thanksgiving. You look, Evangeline, if you guys, I mean, I know you're out in that Lafayette, Lake Charles area. Man, if you have a chance to go out to Evangeline Downs for a weekend, do it. Um, they had great racing there last Saturday, a bunch of stakes races, uh, some nice Louisiana bred horses, They, you know, good purses out there and wouldn't have those stakes races. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to take the family out there and have a uh, have a cheap night at the track. So, um, yeah, like you said, Evangeline has another race, uh, another big day coming up over at Lafayette of Opelousas. And um, it's, fun to, it's fun to have. But, no, fairgrounds here, we don't get started back up till Thanksgiving. So we're in a dead time until then. So what are you going to do with yourself, bud? Are you, you going to make a trip up? Can, can, yeah, you, you come up here, we'll take you out to lunch, it, yeah, and we'll go to the races. I'll make it to Evangeline once a summer. I usually try to get up there for one of those night races. There we um, go. With one of the big, big cards. There you go, bud. Well, Chad, appreciate yeah. your time as always. Hey, tell the people where they can go get the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast, brother. Yeah, uh, shexnola.com, S-C-H-E-X-N-O-L-A, shexnola.com. That's on Twitter. Um, the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast has links to that on there. Or you can go to the Fairgrounds website. It's uh, fairgroundsracecourse.com, and there's a, a page up there for all the podcast information. Chad, appreciate your time, bud. Best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, Raymond. Take care. That's Chad Schnecksnyder of the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast breaking down the Belmont Stakes Force. Only eight horses in contention. He likes We the People. That's the betting favorite, but he also... Really likes creative minister. Six to one odds there. And uh, Rich Strike 2 could place. I, I kind of like Mo Don- uh, Donical as well. I, if I had to, if, I may go place a bet on Saturday. I may make my mosey my way over to Evangeline Downs and place a bet on uh, the Belmont Stakes. Why not? And you can have some tremendous racing, right? Louisiana Legends was just last weekend at Evangeline Downs. But they also got the Opelousa Stakes and the John Henry Stakes coming up 4th of July weekend at Evangeline Downs. Got to make sure to check that out. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Trail is putting on a free all-day event next Saturday. That's the 18th at Cafe 20.3 at 1500 General Mouton. In addition to free paddling, there's going to be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero heroes by raising awareness and funds to build a new Teat Fur Park and Boat Launch at Mile Zero on the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are, of course, welcomed. Trail is actually going to match up to $20,000 in donations. So look, it's a great event. It's free. You can get some exercise, get to be out on the water, and you also get to take part in a party. What's not to like here? And the money being spent, the donations are going to go for a great cause. For more information, go visit www.com latrail.org once again for more information about trails upcoming event saturday june 18th at cafe 20.3 
go visit their website, www.latrail.org. Time for us to check in on the old poll question of the day. Boston Celtics take game three last night in the NBA Finals. They're now up two games to one. And Steph Curry injured his foot late in this ball game. Does Steph Curry's foot injury impact the NBA Finals? The outcome of the NBA Finals, to be more specific. 47% of you somewhat agree. You say Celtics are now going to win in six. 24% of you say Warriors are going to win in seven. 18% say Warriors in six. And 11% of you say Celtics in seven. JPK, the OD, with a rare, efficient comment. I'm kind of disappointed we don't have 18 gifts to go through. Says, I was already at Celtics in six. It sure does feel like Celtics in six, though, doesn't it? Now, a lot of you still believe that Golden State is going to win this series. Darren, as he mentioned on Twitter, says, hey, look, Boston got their two wins. Now it's time for Golden State to take over. For that to happen, Draymond Green has to stop playing Paul Ball and basketball. He is a non-factor. He runs off off the mouth, on the court, off the court. He's not made a single major impact in this series so far. We're through three games. If the Warriors are going to win this series in six or seven games, Draymond's going to have to step it up and back up all the talking because he's yet to do it. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off with our friend Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. That's coming up next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our number three has arrived here on RP3 and Company. Huh? Like that? Uh, producer extraordinary had a five names is shaking her head. No. I hope you enjoyed it, though. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. We're having a good time. It's Thursday. We're getting a little bit closer to the weekend. Had a very good show so far today. We've touched on Houston Astros. Jose Arquiti, not looking good. Velocity on that fastball below 90. Never a good sign. He's struggling. Been struggling for about his last five outings as the Astros lose and drop the series to the Seattle Mariners. They will get back to action on Friday when they welcome in the Miami Marlins for a three-game set. You can listen to all three games, of course, live right here on the game. You're home for Houston Astros baseball. We also touched on Super Regional Weekend coming up. Lots of intriguing matchups. Ole Miss at Southern Miss. and That has to top the list for me of Super Regionals I'm going to pay attention to. Also, I think Arkansas, North Carolina could be interesting. Could see an upset there. And Oklahoma at 
Virginia Tech is another. And then ECU versus Texas, 8-9 matchup. Going to be there in Greenville. Can ECU, who has the most regional appearances of any team not to make it to the College World Series, can they finally get through and punch their ticket to Omaha? Women's College World Series championship round up and going. Texas struck first last night, scored a run in the first. They wouldn't score another. They would only get two more hits, commit four errors, and then Oklahoma crushed their faces by hitting six home runs, scoring 16 runs, taking game one 16-1 in the Women's College World Series there in Oklahoma City. Boomer Sooner, the dynasty continues. And, of course, we talked a lot about the NBA Finals. Boston going up two games to one in this series, as well as getting a preview of the Belmont Stakes from our friend Chad Schneider from the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast. Right now, though, it's time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on our good friend, Les East from ChristmasCitySports.com. He joins us to talk Saints, talk a little Pelicans. Bud, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? I'm doing great, bud. Let's get to the big news involving the Saints and actually involves one of their former players, and that's Drew Brees. He's no longer going to be broadcasting whatsoever, not returning to NBC after one year as an NFL Notre Dame analyst. This had been speculated about for a while, but it was confirmed yesterday. Uh, Apparently, Brees is leaving over a lifestyle choice. What can you tell us, and why do you think this wasn't a good fit for Drew Brees and NBC, him serving as an analyst? Well, I'm not sure exactly why it wasn't a a good fit. Um, You know, this had been reported more than about a month ago, and Drew had sort of denied it at the time, but it was just uh, it, it, it was the timing. I think he was disputing more than anything else. Uh, but it just uh, didn't seem like uh, his reviews were that good, and uh, I guess NBC wasn't all that satisfied. Doesn't sound like it really was what he was looking for either, so uh, it just seemed like it was uh, a bad fit, and I'm not sure why. I mean, Drew obviously understands uh, football as well as anybody. He's uh, very articulate. He uh, works very hard, takes a lot of pride in everything that he does. So I'm sure that the uh, the preparation was there, the ability was there, but uh, for some reason it just didn't mesh with what NBC was looking for. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up somewhere else with a similar uh opportunity somewhere else but this this first effort uh just did not work out for whatever reason it's also harder right i I think guys think it's easy to make that transition and it's just not even chris collinsworth needed some years to be groomed before becoming an analyst back in the day when he made the switch from cincinnati Bengals player to you know a guy up in the booth we saw Jason Whitten flame out. Not everyone can be Tony Romo, Les. And I think that's the biggest thing a lot of these guys are finding out, that they think it's easy, but it's really not. Well, yeah, and then in Drew's case, it was, um, you know, he did a lot of studio work, which was very different from game analyst. And, they, you know, he did have some opportunities to do 
uh, games, particularly for Notre Dame, but he was bouncing back and forth between two different roles. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot more goes into it than is apparent to the naked eye. And so you don't just show up and start talking about football like you're watching it with your buddy. So there's a tremendous amount of preparation that has to go into it. You have to uh, learn how to uh, work with the other people, whether it be the play-by-play announcer or the other people in the studio. And you have to try and convey a lot of information in a short period of time. And uh, it's just... Uh, not like you said, it's not easy, it's not simple. And uh, so the transition is a challenge. And uh, apparently this transition did not go as smoothly as it could have. But uh, assuming he does try this again at some point, and as I said, I think he probably will, I would expect him to, to be much more successful the next time around. Les, let's talk about the current team. I see a lot of national folks, pundits, experts, and everything, being very down on the Saints. Uh, They don't believe that they're going to be a team that's going to win more than eight games. Uh, They don't think the offense is going to be all that good. Is this just a combination of they don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be back to form like he was before, they still have question marks about Winston, Kamara suspension. Is it a combination of a lot of different things, or is it just kind of a lazy narrative by national folks? Well, I think it's definitely partly a lazy narrative, and uh, I, I think probably the biggest factor is the absence of Sean Payton. And so they're they're just saying, oh, well, uh, Payton's not going to be there, so they're going to drop off. And I think that's where the laziness comes in, because uh, if you look at at what they've done with their roster in the off season, uh, this is a team that was nine and eight last year, with an inordinate number of absences due to injuries and COVID. So right off, you have to assume they're a better team just because of the law of averages. They're not going to lose as many key people for as long a period of time as they did last year. So you're assuming a 9-8 and team is going to be better before they start adding talent. And with the addition of Tyron Matthew and with the draft that they had, uh, you know, they lost Teron Armstead, but they drafted a first-round guy to replace him. And then they have Chris Olave and and Michael Thomas coming back and Jarvis Landry. So, you start at nine and eight. You assume they're better because of the law of averages with the injuries, and then they upgrade their roster. Uh, you know, you should be starting at around ten wins when you start projecting what this team's going to do. Then there is the head coaching thing, and you're saying, well, Sean Payton's gone, and Dennis Allen didn't do well in his first opportunity in Oakland. So that's the only thing other than laziness that I can see as being a reason for them not expecting this to be a playoff team or at least a serious playoff contender. So, uh, you know, and the other thing – I tweeted about this a couple of days ago. Is I just think the biggest thing that happened to the Saints in the offseason was Deshaun Watson picking Cleveland. <laughs> if they had made that trade, which they tried to do, uh, then I might have a different opinion that this team 
given the mounting troubles that he has. But with the way things have turned out, uh, I, I I just think uh, whatever I, I don't understand why they're expecting this team to take a step backward, other than thinking that the the absence of Sean Payton is going to be a, a significant blow. And it, it could be, but I think they're overrating that. It feels like they're done making moves for the most part, obviously bringing in Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, and others through free agency. Some people still think they need to address running back, maybe beef up the linebacking core as well, see if they could get Quan Alexander to come back in the fold. What do you think is more likely to happen before training camp, Less Adding another running back or getting Quan to come back? Well, I think it would probably be running back. I mean, Mickey Loomis said after the draft that they would like to be able to get another running back. They had Darrell Williams in for a visit before he signed with Arizona. So I think that is something they would like to add. Now, now Quan is you know, fairly easy to do. That's a guy who's been here before they they signed him late last year and so getting a deal done with him i think would be fairly easy uh to do so that's another possibility but i think running back is a bigger need they have a lot of young linebackers to pair with demario davis and they, they don't play three linebackers all that much so i I don't think that's as big a need, even though bringing Quan back would be easy. I, I think running back is a bigger need. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of needs on this team. You know, p- perhaps another tight end, but I don't think there's anybody out there that that really is of interest to them. So I would think if they bring in anybody of note uh, uh, from the outside, I think it would probably be a running back. We're talking with Les East of ChristmasCitySports.com. He joins us now on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's switch over to the New Orleans Pelicans. Where do we stand with Zion Williamson's extension? Well, it's a work in progress, and uh, I would expect that it will get done, uh, you know, before um, training camp. You know, there's plenty of time to work on that. Uh, the Pelicans, I think, rightfully are not uh, – just going to hand over the max. I think they're trying to structure it in a sensible way, given the the history of injuries that, that Zion has had in his his brief career. Uh, so they the particulars are going to take some time to work through uh, in order to to get it in uh, get the contract in a situation that I think is going to uh, protect the Pelicans if uh, Zion continues to be plagued by injuries and yet give him the opportunity uh, to make the kind of money that uh, would satisfy him and, and his camp. So I, I think that's going to take a while to get done. I, I think the Pelicans hold all the cards right now in this particular negotiation. So uh, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned if it takes a while to get done because it's a, it's not a, an easy thing to get done, but I would think that there, there's a pretty good chance this is going to get done before training camp. Besides the Zion contract extension, which is obviously number one priority, what's the second biggest priority for the Pelicans this offseason that's non-draft related? Well, I don't know that there is one that's non-draft related because you know they hold such a high uh, draft choice 
uh, number eight, I believe. They, uh, you know, I think that's tied to whatever they're likely to do. I don't think they're going to go out and try and sign a big-name free agent. I think they're either going to use that lottery pick uh, to get another really good prospect or they're going to uh, trade up or down uh, if they feel like that uh, another position is going to be beneficial to them based on the trade they're able to make, or they will use that pick uh, to try and acquire a veteran and maybe package it with a veteran, whether it be uh, somebody like Devontae Graham or Jackson Hayes in, in what would be a bigger trade. Uh, so I think it, it whatever they do is probably going to, probably going to revolve around that number one draft choice, whether they use it uh, to pick a player or they use it in, in some sort of trade. You know, David Griffin said he, he expects this to be a bit of a calmer offseason than they've had the last couple of years, and I think that's definitely going to be the case. So if anything happens um, that's of significance, I think it's going to somehow be tied to that draft choice because I don't, I don't foresee them putting together a trade that doesn't include that, and I don't think they're going to sign a high-priced free agent either. Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your upcoming weekend, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks, Raymond. That's Lessies from CrestedCitySports.com. Covers the New Orleans Saints, covers the New Orleans Pelicans. Appreciate his time joining us here on RP3 and Company. Hey, got a great event for a great cause coming up that I need to tell you about. Rescue Fest is going to be Saturday, June the 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music by the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There's going to be food, games, and a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. It's a great cause. Go help them out. Tickets are available right now through Eventbrite or at rescuegroup.org. Once again, Rescue Fest, Saturday, June 25th at Park International. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to come party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There's going to be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. She'll, she creates her own games. She'll be there. James Mesh. Matt Miguez will be there. Heck, Crunch Time will be broadcast live on location. The Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holberg, will make appearance. Kevin Foote 
who tried not to have an aneurysm while watching the Astros play beforehand. He'll be there. And your least favorite personality, yours truly, will be there. Come on, who are we kidding? I'm your favorite. We both know I'm your favorite. Come hang out with us at B-Dubs. Wednesday, June 22nd. It's the game's birthday bash. Broadcasting live from there will be crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Come join us. Hang out. Enjoy the party. Get great door prizes and so much more. It's the game's 10th birthday bash. Be there. Trust me or you'll be square. That's what that's what Hannah Hannah just told me. She can't stop laughing. I'd bring her on live right now, but she can't stop laughing from her shenanigans this morning. It's been a shenanigan-filled Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Okay, can you tell people what you've made so they know what you what you've done here? You used gum wrappers. I don't know what's going on. Get it together. Get it together. What, what did you make? What did you create? Let's start there. Okay, so growing up, one big thing we did, mainly in like junior high and middle school, was made fortune tellers. So you like make a little. You there's certain way you do it. You gotta like watch a video. You figure out how to do it. Yes, yes. Girls so, did this. Boys made paper airplanes. <laughs> yes. I can and, make that and, too. And, and little mini footballs that we flick through See, each other's hands. I can't make that correctly. I've tried so hard to make the little triangle. I can't do it. That's correctly. what boys make. Girls make what you make, where you do the little numbers and you do the, you yeah. count them out. And you just did it with me during the break. Yes. And then at the end of it, I failed. <laughs> I was eliminated or something. I no longer exist now. I Why have do- I have four options. Okay. Hello. Smile. Goodbye. And talk in a country accent. <laughs> I was hoping to talk in a country <laughs> accent, but I got goodbye. She's like, pick a number. I was like, fine. Pick a color. So I picked a color. You know who would love that game? Who? My daughter, Hattie. She probably would. You're going to have to show. She may have seen it at school yet uh, already, but we'll have to, since she's on break now, it's summertime, I'm going to have to bring her to the studio and have you show her how to do that. She'll yes. love that. I have made one out of the gum wrapper, um, made two of them out of it because you can make two squares. So I made one for Matt and for James, which they probably aren't even awake yet, so you probably don't know, so don't tell them. Um, <laughs> and even Ray has a mini one that's on his desk. So Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, because that's, that's what we did in junior high and middle school was you made fortune tellers and you played MASH. She, uh, My daughter, Hattie, would absolutely love that. So we're oh, yes. going to hook this up, right? Yeah. You're going to make one and show Hattie how to do it. Yes. That way she can do it herself and show everyone that she knows and oh, yeah. hopefully do one with a country accent. By the way, she does a country accent. You missed out. We did it already before. Me, Matt, and James. It was a really good time. And I put a like the sad face Snapchat filter on them, too. It's even funnier that way. Don't worry, so, guys. So, Lots of shenanigans. I'm awake now. It's fine. <laughs> it only took you getting to this point to 828 in the morning for you to get to this point. It's like 8 o'clock. I'm not part making them. So. Yeah, you were <laughs> sleepwalking for a little while, and all of a sudden you're like, look, I've created a game. Dun, 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 dun. And you're making noise and sound effects. I'm like, what? Did you drink a Red Bull? What happened? It happens when, when Steve has his like sneeze fest, and he has like four in a row, and they're really loud. Can we trademark that? They sound that? weird. By the way. Sneeze fest? Steve does nothing quietly. My man is boisterous <laughs> in the best way. He is. In the best way. You got to check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you, with Steph Curry's foot injury occurring late in last night's Game 3 loss to the Boston Celtics, is this going to directly impact, affect 
the rest of the NBA Finals. Right now, 45% of you say the Celtics are now going to win in six. 26% of you say Golden State Warriors in seven. 18% say Warriors still in six. So still a good portion of you out there believe that Warriors are still going to win this series. But now it's switched over. Most of you think Boston's going to win this. 11% say Celtics in seven. Look, Steph's great. He's a gamer. He's been the best player for Golden State in this series. But they're going to have to get more production. Draymond Green is going to have to show up and not just be a plug because that's what he's been. He's been absolutely a non-factor. He's ran off at the mouth like he's always done, which I have no problem with. If you're going to be a talking trash guy, I got no problem with it. You got to back it up. The bad boy Pistons did that. They used to talk so much trash and rough people up, but they backed it up by winning. If you're going to talk... If you're going to run off at the mouth, you got to back it up and you got to score more than two points and only get a couple of rebounds for your team. You, yeah. you, you, you got to be better. You got to be making more of a contribution than, you know, the 12th guy on the bench. Sorry. Just has to be that way. I'm just tired of the games being so far away. Like, I'm, I don't like 10. That's, that's me more interested in wanting to watch the game if they were closer in score. It's like 10 and 15 point difference. I don't care for that. The, the the lopsided results are hurting the ratings. And the fact that there's three days in between games also hurts. I'm sorry, it just does. Yeah. Houdat Forever has commented. They were down two games to one with him. If his injuries are serious, they're done. It's a fair point. I understand folks that say that. We have not got an update yet on Steph Curry on what he's going through, if he's going to be out, what the extent of the foot injury is. We just know that he suffered a foot injury late in last night's Game 3 loss in the NBA Finals. we got to take a timeout. More shenanigans are going to ensue because Ronnie Rance, the CEO, Executive Director of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation, will be joining us. Hall of Fame weekend coming up just a few weekends away. I'll be there. As president of the Louisiana Sports Writers Association, I have responsibilities, as in handing out plaques to the Hall of Famers. That's coming up. Great class to talk about. Ronnie's going to join us and do just that. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 9th, 1946. New York Giants skipper Mel Ott becomes the first manager in Major League Baseball history to be ejected from both games of a doubleheader. The Giants lose both games to the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame weekend is coming up. It's going to be the weekend of the 24th, 25th. Great events are planned bowling, fine dining, and so much more. It's all coming up here in just a few weeks. Another great class of deserving sports figures being inducted into our state's Hall of Fame. Tony Robichaux, Kyle Williams, Eric Andelsek, Jari Evans, 
just to name a few. To give us a preview and to tell us everything that's going on for the weekend is the man who is the executive director, CEO of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. He's also a broadcaster and a former star LSU pitcher. It's our good friend Ronnie Ranch joins us live now. Ronnie, good morning to you, brother. I know it's a crazy time of the year, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Raymond. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you making the time, brother. Let's start off with what's coming up. Give the folks, let them know what's coming up for the Hall of Fame weekend. It's back to a normal year, right? Last year, we were able to pull off not one but two induction ceremonies in a three-month span. The year prior didn't have one. A little bit normal this year. So tell the folks what they can experience if they come up to Natchitoches and get to see all the events. Yeah, the last weekend in June, June 23rd through 25th, is when all the festivities will get underway. And, you know, we're talking about um, seven events over the course of three days. You know, people think of, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame induction of going to maybe some sort of sleepy banquet and listening to the Longsville Beaches. That is not the case. (laughs) You have not been to a Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame weekend, clearly. Uh, But it is a lot of fun. And, you know, we'd love to see everybody come up and participate in everything. But if not, pick and choose what you can make, and and it'll be memorable, I can assure you. Uh, We get things cranked up on Thursday the 23rd. We'll have the press conference uh, online and on television as well, on Pelican Broadcasting over in Lafayette on Cox Cable, as well as we'll have it live streamed on our website and many other platforms. And uh, that's from 3 to 5. And then we'll have a welcome reception from 5 to 7 right there at the museum where it's a chance for the Hall of Famers and their families to see their displays for the first time. It's open to the public. Anyone can attend. Uh, We've got free food and drink for you as well. That's from 5 to 7. That's our LACAP Federal Credit Union welcome reception. and then on Friday, uh, we, we do an event in Alexandria. So folks coming up from Lafayette, if you just want to pop up for an event and back, only, only a little over an hour away, you've got uh, uh, the, our celebrity bowling event that takes place over at Four Seasons Bowling Center. That's 1130 to 2. So you're looking for something to do with the kids during the day on Friday. Maybe you're able to play hooky from work that day or half a day. Come on up to Alexandria. It's our celebrity bowling event. Doors open at 1130 uh, lunch is in, included in your ticket. It's uh, catered by uh, uh, walk-ons. We've got um, fins up is, is our theme, you know. So we got the Jimmy Buffett music playing and Bob Marley music playing, and we're going to have the Hawaiian shirts on, and everybody's going to get a lay at the door and open bar and all that kind of stuff going on. And the most important thing about twelve thirty, the bowling part begins, and we'll have all the celebrities introduced, past and present Hall of Famers. It's always a fun time. Get to interact with them. And, you know, we even have tickets for folks who just want to come have lunch and hang out and check it all out. They don't have to necessarily bowl. So go to lasportshall.com for all of the info and all these events. And, you know, that's those are the first two, Raymond. And then from there, we kind of make our way to Natchitoches full-time. Friday night, Saturday, we go from Rock and River Fest and Taste the Tailgating and fireworks and everything like that Friday night to Saturday. We've got a free kids clinic for all you got to do is bring your kids. You can sign up online for free. You get a T-shirt. You get lunch. You get to participate with all the Hall of Famers. That's Saturday morning. Tim Brando hosts the lunch on Saturday during the day. And then Saturday night's the finale where we have uh, you know, uh, food at the museum and everything for a couple hours. And then we have our Hall of Fame induction ceremony presented by State Farm Insurance Agents of Louisiana. And it is, you know, that's a, those are the tearjerker moments. Those are the funny moments. 
Uh, that's going to be spectacular. That's in our event center. We'll have six, 700 people there for that Saturday night uh, up in Natchitoches. Ronnie, uh, let's talk a little bit about this class because it's always a great group that we put in year after year and, and so much diversity. Lots of um, – LSU uh, flavor, so to speak, this year yet again, including uh, one guy that I felt has been, you know, very much undervalued for the longest time. That was the late, great Eric Andelsek. You look at his numbers, Ronnie. Uh, he blocked for Barry Sanders after Eric, uh, uh, you know, died suddenly. Uh, Sanders' numbers went down every season after that. I don't think that's a coincidence. He was a great player for LSU. You know, and he finally gets his his day in the Sports Hall of Fame in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were excited about that. He, you know, for those that are over the age of, you know, 40, 45 probably, you know, you'll remember the name. You'll remember seeing him possibly play. He was a fantastic player. Would have probably been in the Pro Football Hall of Fame had he tragically not been killed while he was in the NFL um, but uh, he was what you would want out of an offensive lineman. And for a lot of years, people felt like he should have been in the Hall of Fame. He had to wait his turn over 15 years on the Veterans Committee and uh, well-deserved he finally got in. But he's not the only former LSU Tiger. Obviously, Kyle Williams is also there among others. Um, you know, that big fella, you know, he was a guy that was great in college, but he may have been even a better pro. Well, Kyle Williams, uh, you know, may be a better human being than he is football player, and I think a lot of people will say that. You know, this class, this 2022 class, has a lot of LSU flavor on it, five or six people with LSU ties, and that's not obviously on purpose. It just kind of worked out that way um, in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. But Kyle Williams, Mr. Ruston, he's coaching in high school, still as the defensive coordinator at Ruston High, but he's a six-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. And for a guy who's from Louisiana, he, he, there's nobody more Buffalo than Kyle Williams. He's actually someone who loved living in Buffalo and thought Buffalo was great, enjoyed the weather. <laughs> Not many people can say that. <laughs> but uh, a national champion as a football player in, on the 03 team at LSU and then, of course, was a great, great player. It's a shame he didn't get a chance to play on some better teams in the NFL. Only made the playoffs once, but, uh, but an awesome player. Another guy that was uh, awesome, I'd argue that uh, Jahari Evans is the best interior offensive lineman in Saints history. I think you can make that argument, and he's going to be inducted uh, as well this year representing the Saints. Jahari Evans is um, Jahari Evans uh, is a guy who I think for sure will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Just a matter of when, not in, not not if. Much in the uh, like Kevin Mawai or. Uh, you know, type of Alan Fanica. You know, they had to wait, but they got in. Um, Jari Evans, of course, Super Bowl champion, protected Drew Brees for so many years. Um, you know, and not when you, when you hear people say all, you know, Pro Bowl, the big difference between Pro Bowl and All Pro. All Pro means you're the best or one of the best tours at your position. He was All Pro a few times, not just Pro Bowl, and that's a big difference. And, uh, Great, great player out of what Bloomsburg College. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, sort of over in Pennsylvania, that's a pretty great story. We're talking with Ronnie Rance. You know him for hosting his show, Sports Shorts. You may also know him as a former LSU star pitcher, broadcaster, TV, and radio. He's also now been for quite a while 
the CEO and executive director of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, we got to talk about Tony, um, another late great one that we're putting in, a man who means so much to two schools. I mean, a, a lot of folks here think of him just for the Raging Cajuns, but I can guarantee you the impact he made over in Lake Charles, first as a player, but then as a coach there and establishing that baseball program, they love and revere him as well. The winningest coach in baseball history here in the state of Louisiana. Tony Robichaux is going to be inducted as well. Well, you know, Tony, um, obviously super deserved, would have been in any way uh, when he tragically passed at 57 years of age. You know, he didn't qualify yet. You have to be 60 to be able to be on the ballot. And obviously he would have been in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's a shame he's not there. We know that. We know the story. Um, he's going to be well represented by his family and friends. No one more deserving of being in the Louisiana Hall of Fame because when you think of Louisiana, obviously he was a coach of Louisiana, but at the same time, he is Mr. Louisiana from Crowley. What he did at McNeese, kind of uh, as the youngest coach in the country when he took over at the time in his early 20s, and then to, to do what he did for the Raging Cajuns. And, you know, LSU sort of swallows up the space in Louisiana when it comes to college baseball. and People outside of Acadiana sometimes don't realize what a great program the Raging Cajuns have, the facility, the fan base. The, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a top 10, 20 program when you take in the totality everything that goes on over there. And, uh, um, and uh, it's because of Tony Robichaud, the guy who's, man, you know, just, just willed that program, willed himself, uh, you know, oh, we don't have the money for this. Oh, we can't do that. And he would make it happen. And uh, uh, shame he's not with us. We miss him terribly, but so deserved and, and excited to to honor him uh, on June 23rd through 25th in Natchitoches, Alexandria, and for this year's Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame class. Ronnie, everyone has a great Tony Robichaux story. I'm sure you have one as well. What is it, if you don't mind sharing? Say that again. I'm sorry. I said everyone has a great Tony Robichaux story. Um, uh, what's yours, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, um, oh gosh. You know, every I, I would say the, the, the thing I remember about Tony, one, I, I pitched against McNeese, I feel like, two or three times when he was in. You, you know, I got in the game two or three times, had one or two starts against McNeese when I was in college. So we used to joke about that. You know that uh, you know. Oh, you know, playing playing LSU, we'll get we'll see Rance again. Um, but we always would talk, tell skip stories because Tony Robichaux, literally, when in his early days as a coach and did it for a long time, was sort of would make the pilgrimage once a year to, to to Baton Rouge to go see Skip, and he you know pick his brain and take down notes and you know and they had a great relationship and and so whenever we get together and no matter what we were talking about we would inevitably land itself back to skip stories and him doing the voice and the impersonation and me doing the same and you know telling a new and different story because obviously anybody's interacted with skip has a million of them and uh so he had tremendous respect for skip obviously i think of skip like a second father so we had that bond and we and that was kind of one of the more common things we always talked about Ronnie, before we let you go, for anyone out there listening that's never had the opportunity to go experience a Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame weekend, I've been there several times just like you have. It's a great experience. But for those who maybe have never gone, uh, what would you tell them about it and why it's so rewarding to go? Well, it's because you get a chance to meet your heroes and, and 
you know, rarely do they disappoint, right? They usually exceed your expectations. It, it humanizes uh, these these legends of, of different sports, whether it be Brittany Snead in softball or Susan Jackson in gymnastics or, or, you know, rodeo or football or basketball, it doesn't matter. You get a chance to meet these people. You're going to even appreciate them even more. And they're all very accessible and, and they're just like you and I and having conversations and taking pictures and telling stories. And, and it's all weekend long at all of the events. And then, oh, by the way, you look up and go, oh, look, there's Bert Jones. You know, didn't think he, I'd see him. It's not just this year's class, it's past Hall of Famers that come as well. So it's a laid back atmosphere. Friday night's probably my most fun night of everything. We've got the fireworks on the river, we've got live bands. Rock and Doopsy's playing this year. Uh, for our Rock and River Fest, we've got the Kid Zone, the Saints and Pelicans marketing teams coming in, bringing the mascots and doing all kind of stuff. So, you know, it is it is a lot of fun, and you don't have to be a grown up. You bring the family, bring the kids. They're going to have just as my brother brought his kids last year. They had a great time. Go to lasportshall.com, lasportshall.com. Click on that events tab and see all the events we have going on. Ronnie, appreciate your time as always, brother. I'll see you in a couple weeks, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, Raymond. Thank you for the time. It's Ronnie Rance. He's the executive director, CEO of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation. He That means they're the group that helps put on the Hall of Fame festivities. It's going to be a great class. When you get a chance to talk about Brittany or Susan, two of the most accomplished athletes in their sports. Steve Duhon, he's your rodeo cowboy champion. He's getting put in. It's a great class, and if you've never been, you should go. I have a tremendous time every single year. we got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show. We'll get you set up for footnotes with guest host, the king himself, George Faust, will be gracing us with his presence. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes, like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious Gulf seafood, but you can only score that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. And while you're in there, you can also score another excellent prize, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Woo! You want a delicious mouthwatering steak cooked exactly the way you want it with delicious sides adult beverages and more then you got to go to mr lester steakhouse one of the best steakhouses not only in acadiana but in the state of louisiana we can hook you up with that 150 dollars gift certificate to mr lester's but only if you become a member of our clubhouse once again go sign up at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com it's just that simple it's free so no excuses let's make that happen today
want to take a moment to thank all of our guests. Chad Chad Schneck-Snyder from the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast, helping us preview the Belmont Stakes. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, talking Saints, talking Pelicans. And, of course, Ronnie Rance, our friend, the executive director of the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame Foundation, helping us preview this year's induction weekend. Poll question of the day. We asked you, how much will Steph Curry's foot foot injury suffered late in last night's Game 3 loss impact the rest of this year's NBA Finals? Is it going to make a huge difference? And final results say 46% of you say Celtics will now win in 6. 24% say Warriors will win in 7. 17% say Warriors will win in 6. And 13% of you say Celtics will win in 7. Does Sure does feel like it is now turned to Boston, but this is where that veteran presence, that veteran leadership is going to rise up for Golden State, or you expect it to. But as I said before, Steph and Clay played great last night. Draymond Green has been a non-factor. He's run off at the mouth a ton like he always does, but in the past, he's always been able to back it up. He has been absolutely a non-factor. He might as well be the 12th guy on the bench. He's got to step his game up and contribute more if the Warriors are going to have a chance to win this series. Whew, good show. Borderline great show. It's going to get better. Next two hours. Kevin Foote on his way for his Alaska cruise. But not to worry, the king of Acadiana Sports Media, George Faust, is about to fill in for footnotes coming up in just a few minutes. Got to make sure to stay tuned for that. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parcher third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. And the king himself, George Faust, will be filling in for footnotes. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs>